It's Friday, April 8th, and you're tuned in to the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Nogum, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, the Guardians dropped their season opener on Thursday in Kansas City, 3-1. to one. Uh, Jose Ramirez with the first uh, Guardians RBI on a double, uh, but unable to hold the lead and uh, take care of things for Shane Bieber, who exited in the fifth inning. And then Tristan McKenzie came in later uh, and gave up the go-ahead RBI double to Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, how was what was the reaction in Kansas City when Bobby Witt uh, came through with the big double there? It must have been uh, uh, you know pretty exciting for them. Yeah, that was like a, a Hollywood ending, uh, Joe. They uh, you know everyone was anticipating a big game by Bobby Witt Jr. and uh, up until that time, he really you know he had kind of struggled. Uh, but he, when he came up with the winning run in, uh, you know, on base and he drove that double down to the left field line, it, people were very excited. It was like a, a fitting in because there had been so much, you know, hype and uh, build up around this kid. You know, the number one prospect in in uh, in uh, Major League Baseball. And uh, he had a good game and he came through with the game winning hit. That's that's about as good as it gets. Uh, for Cleveland, I guess things sort of worked out the way that uh, Terry Francona had uh, pictured them in his mind up until the point that uh, Ahmed Rosario kind of butchered a couple of balls out in left field. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about Ahmed's day in the outfield and the implications of what that's going to mean for uh, the rest of the early going in this season uh, if if that's the way things are going to go. Of course, the the problems started for uh, Rosario uh, in that uh, in that fifth inning uh, ball that was hit out there and he uh, moved to his left. The ball hit off of his glove and wasn't just wasn't able to make the catch. Uh, what yeah, did you see? Was... Yeah. What did you see? And, and, and what was the reaction? Yeah, I saw, you know, in, in the uh, in the second inning and in the. Uh, fourth inning he made some nice plays you know despite you know 30 to 40 mile an hour wins he made a couple nice catches in in left field but he was going toward the line when he made them this ball by Hunter Dozier the one he you know had trouble with was up in the gap and a little higher and it just got in the wind and really you know he was under it but he never could secure it he just it looked like he kind of stabbed at it and and you know, just didn't didn't make the catch. And of course, you know, uh, Bieber comes back, it's two outs, the next two guys out and the next guy hits a hits a line drive. Uh, Nicky Lopez, who always seems to play well against Cleveland, you know, drove the ball into the gap again. This one was more of a line drive and, uh, you know, Straw and and uh, Rosario had some communication problems. It looked like Straw was going to die for the ball. He thought Rosario was going to die for the ball, and it fell in for an RBI double, and that you know that tied the score and and ended Bieber's night day. Uh, what do you think Terry Francona's you know thoughts are now on uh, playing, continuing to play Ahmed Rosario out there? Uh, because really, that was the worst nightmare situation. Was that he thought he could get away? He thought he could hide. Uh, Rosario out there and that the ball wouldn't find him. The ball always finds you out there. (laughs) And uh, uh, it it wound up really actually probably costing Cleveland that game. 
I, I'm sure Terry Francona was, uh, you know, beside himself uh, about the decision. And, and, you know, it always seems to to work out that way uh, with, with Francona with some of these outfield decisions. Yeah, well, you I've seen it. It doesn't matter if it's Francona, Maniac, or whatever manager, you know, I've covered. When they put a guy, a suspect guy out in the outfield, like you said, Joe, the ball always finds him, always seems to find him at a critical point. And and you can't, you know, it's hard for me to blame Rosario. He's playing in a tornado. He's he's an infielder. We saw this happen last spring when they, they tried him in center field. Now he's in left field. You know, he had a little more time. I mean, he, he played, what, four or five games in left field in spring training. But he didn't play with in, in high winds like this. And uh, just, uh, you know... <laughs> Just an unfortunate situation. You know, Francona took the blame for this one. He said he he said, you know, he felt like he dropped the ball as long along with uh, Rosario uh, Bieber, who has you know been victimized by this before. Uh, in the, but this one counted. The other one was in spring training last year, and uh, Bieber said you can't dwell on one mistake. We've got a long, long way, a long season to play, and we've just got to move on. Yeah, that uh, that that seems to be the order of the day. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Bieber and his outing. Uh, we anticipated that it wasn't going to be uh, much more than you know 65, 70 pitches. Uh, I think he got up to about 75, somewhere in that range. Uh, and his velocity certainly wasn't where it maybe has been in the past. Uh, but uh, you know, they said the same thing last year when he opened the season in Detroit, and he was a a, a tick or two below. Uh, hit on his fastball, uh, the curveball seemed to be in in great shape. Even though uh, you're talking about a, a reduction in uh, some spin there, but that will those are issues that we'll we'll get into here in a second. Just what was Bieber's feeling coming off the mound, and is he uh, concerned about the the velo uh, at this point? No, he wasn't concerned at all. He said he kind of I think he kind of like bristled a little bit when he was asked about the. Uh, the, his velocity. He was, I think he topped out at 91.8. You know, uh, he was right around 90.6 in average for his fastball. Uh, you know, and that's down from last year and the year before. But he said, you know, I got asked the same question when, when I pitched in a blizzard in Detroit last year in the season opener. You know, he said, uh, you know, I'm not going to focus on my velocity. All my other pitches uh, played up. You know, I was able to do what I wanted to do with the ball. He said he felt good, and uh, he was just—he's just moving on. Now, Bieber isn't one of the pitchers that we could sort of uh, do a, a real sharp comparison with last year, uh, when the ban on sticky substances uh, was was taken into full effect, and and the crackdown really sort of happened. Uh, we we noticed that the the rotations per minute on his his curveball uh, were were lower significantly lower uh, than his first start last year. Uh, is is this something where you know we might have to adjust and and Bieber might have to adjust because now uh, they're the only thing he got are the the rosin bags the two uh, the two rosin bags that the umpires put behind the mound and you know those will be sticky but. Certainly not, uh, you know, what they're what maybe some of these pitchers were used to being able to get away with using uh, before. 
It, it could be, Joe. I'm sure it is. Uh, but I think I think the weather was the the big factor yesterday. Uh, it was cold. It was rainy. You know, when he was warming up, it was kind of snowing and sleeting. Uh, I think it's just tough to get a grip on the ball there and uh, tough to, you know, get your body warmed up and get everything in motion. But uh, I thought he pitched well. I really did. He went longer than I thought he did. 72 pitches, 48 strikes. Uh, he allowed three hits, one run, four strikeouts, no walks, four and two thirds. I thought he did a nice job. Yeah, there was a stretch there where he had struck out maybe four out of five batters, and uh, he looked like he was in that that one of those Shane Bieber grooves again. Uh, and like I said, uh, the slider and the curveball both looked, uh, you know, really good. I think it was an at bat to uh, to Bobby Witt earlier uh, in the you know before the fifth inning. Uh, where he started him out with a curveball at the bottom of the zone uh, and then a fastball that he dotted at the bottom of the zone. And at that point, he was 0-2, and Bobby Witt had no chance against him. Uh, just so uh, unfortunate that the, um, the the things didn't work out a, a little differently uh, behind him defensively. Uh, but certainly a an outing that he can build on, and, and it can give uh, a lot of people confidence that you know he certainly recovered from the shoulder uh, injury that he had last year. Yeah, I think so. I think this is a good step forward. Um, you know, uh, we'll see, you know, his next time out. But, you know, <laughs> I think he'd like to open the season on the West Coast, maybe. It'd be the <laughs> opening day starter after the last two the last two times, Detroit in the blizzard and last night or yesterday in, in just a nasty, nasty day. Well, you saw what what was it uh, uh, August by the time uh, they they started back in 2022. That so the weather was nice and warm, uh, and and he struck out 14 Kansas City Royals in his uh, his first opening day start. So you know who knows maybe maybe he does uh, does a little a, a little better in a, a little warmer environment. Uh, one uh, defensively, one outfielder that won't be playing behind Bieber uh, anymore, at least in a Cleveland uniform, is Bradley Zimmer. Uh, Bradley Zimmer traded to Toronto uh, immediately after uh, Cleveland's opening game yesterday. Uh, Why didn't things work out for Bradley Zimmer after that sort of breakout rookie season back in 2017? He just never seemed to be able to recapture uh, the the promise that that was there uh, when he was, you know, at least able to put the bat on the ball. Yeah, you know, when I saw him in 2017, I thought, you know, this is a guy that, geez, he can do just about everything. You know, he he had that reckless abandon in, in center field. It, 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 like when he went after a ball, he was so long and tall that he, he looked like Superman, kind of, you know, just diving off a tall building after, after you know, line drives in the gap. He had a great arm. Uh, he could run like the wind. You know, he, yeah, he, you know, he, he struggled hitting, you know, offensively, but I still think he hit like 240 or something like that. So you saw the whole thing, you know, saw the, the really the package developing. I remember Josh Tomlin calling him the machine, you know, cause he was, he's like six, five, 220. you know, he's, he's got the perfect body, but you know, he hurt his shoulder in 2018 after he got sent down at Columbus. And to me, Joe, I don't think he ever came back from that. I, I, I you know, the, he had a bunch of injuries after that, and we really didn't see him, you know, on a like even on a part-time basis until last season when he got. I think he had like 299 at bats, almost 300, over 300 plate appearances, 
And he would, you know, he's, he was, you saw flashes of it. You saw flashes of the power. He could still run. He could still steal bases. I think he stole, what, 15 bases in 18 attempts last year. But offensively, he just, you know, he, he struck out 120 times. You just can't, if you're going to do that, if you're going to be that kind of player, you got to hit the ball out of the park. You got to hit the ball. You know, you have to have 25 to 30 to 40 home runs. You got to be that kind of threat. And and unfortunately for Bradley, he wasn't. So he's going to go to Toronto. You know, he's got a chance to back up, a, you know, be a, you know, a fourth outfielder there with a great, you know, a great lineup. Uh, and I think they're all right-handed hitters in that outfield. So maybe he'll, you know, he can get some playing time in platoon situations. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. His uh, his reward for not being able to uh, to to catch on here in Cleveland is to to go to Toronto, where you know if he if he even if he sits on the bench the whole time, he's going to get a ring uh, potentially with the, a great lineup that they have there. Uh, the other the flip side of that is, hey, if you can't crack the lineup here in Cleveland, where they're desperate for outfielders, uh, you know certainly Toronto is a uh, a place where you know they've got a great lineup and even harder to crack uh, at, at times. But uh, you know this is a guy who, when back in what 2020, when there were uh, questions about him making the roster at the start of the season, I I asked about you know well would you be all right with uh, being a, a guy who's a, a pinch runner and a bench player and in, in that kind of role, and you know he he got sort of upset at that and he, he said no I'm a I'm a starter. I'm a, I'm a starting center fielder. I, you know, I, I think I should be out there and it just never materialized. Now he did hit, like you said, the, he's showing flashes. Uh, those flashes were, were pretty tremendous. I mean, this guy could hit home runs that went, you know, 450 feet, uh, long frame, long levers, big arms, uh, and, and could hit the ball a mile once he got it out on the end of the bat, but it was commanding and controlling the, the strike zone. And that's what, that's when that big frame comes in and hurts you, I think, is, is you know, you've got to work extra hard to control your strike zone uh, if, if you're that big of a guy. That's what that's what Framil Reyes, you know, went to work on this offseason. He said he, he worked with Juan Soto, about, uh, uh, you know, to control his strike zone. Uh, he's a six-foot-five guy. So, uh, you know, maybe that's something that um, uh, Zimmer has to focus on. But you're talking about a number one overall pick for uh, for the club. I believe it was 2015 out of San Francisco. Uh, this is a, a, a guy who they gave a chance to. Do, do you feel like they, they, they gave him enough of a chance to prove himself and it just didn't materialize? Yeah, I think, uh, I, you know, you can't be. I mean, if he goes to Toronto and becomes an all-star you know, more power to him because he, they gave him every chance that in the world here in Cleveland. You know, it's it's kind of like it reminds me a little bit of uh, the Tyler Naquin uh, scenario. Another number one pick, another outfielder who couldn't stay healthy. Uh, you know, Tyler, I think, had a little more success than, than uh, Zimmer, you know, second in the rookie of the year vote. I think third in the rookie of the year voting in 2016. You know, he had and he, you know, he had was having his best season. You know, a couple of years ago when he banged into that fence and tore his knee up in Tampa Bay at the at Tropicana Field. So I think he had a little more success, but similar pass, you know, it's for number one picks, you know, really talented guys. Um, you know, Zimmer can do everything but, but hit. 
I mean, he's he's a great athlete, and it just shows you how difficult this game is, Joe. You have to be so well-rounded as an athlete. You just can't get by with a strong arm and, and you know, fast and a, and a good defender. You know, you, you've got to be a two-way player, and it's it's a difficult game. Well, it, it shows you how much of a premium is placed on that quality, that hit quality, that being able to put the bat on the ball, put the ball in play, because if you have that, then all of the other things can, you know, you can hide a guy whose glove isn't, you know, tops in the league or a guy who can't run the best or you can you can find places to, to cover that. But the hit tool gets exposed. You, you can't it doesn't work the other way. It doesn't you know, unless you're Omar Vizquel or, a, you know, a defense first shortstop for outfielders, it's you have to hit the ball and then they'll they'll find a place for you. But if you can't hit the ball, then being a great glove isn't isn't enough right now. It's just not enough. Yeah, I, that's a great point. And uh, you know, I just I hope you know I hope Bradley stays healthy, and I hope he has some success with Toronto. And like you said, he's going to a great club, a great chance to get to the postseason, and to uh, you know help 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 him help, help a you know a roster that has a chance to go all the way to the World Series. Yeah, it's um. Uh, unfortunate because he was a good guy to talk to. He was always willing to 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 give you a quote or talk about stuff that's even uh, you know not about about himself necessarily. If I ever had a a question about uh, a story that I was working on or anything where he could uh, you know just lend a thought, he was he was pretty good about that. And uh, you know I uh, I enjoyed covering him. It's just uh, now he's he's gone. The the return on. Uh, on uh, the trade there, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about who they got uh, from Toronto in that deal? Yeah, right-hander uh, Anthony Castro, uh, 26-year-old. He's got an option. You know, he split last season between uh, Toronto and uh, Class AAA Buffalo. Uh, put up some, you know, it looks like he's, uh, you know, pretty a strikeout pitcher, um, and he'll join the team Saturday in uh, Kansas City and go right into the bullpen. So, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll get, I think we'll get a pretty good, a pretty quick look at him. Uh, you know, he came up, uh, he was a international free agent signed by Detroit, made one appearance with the Tigers, uh, his, his major league debut, uh, I think in 2020, then, uh, the, then uh, you know, came, became property of the uh, Blue Jays. Yeah, uh, interesting. We already have an Anthony Castro here in Cleveland. He's uh, the MLB writer for uh, uh, MLB.com, uh, Anthony Castro. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be interesting. We, we can shout that out in the press box. Uh, all right, Hoinsey, uh off day today, uh, schedule quirk. And then uh, uh, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, the series continues. We get Zach Plesak on Saturday uh, against, I believe, Greg Holland. Uh Plesak against uh, Brad, Brad, uh, Brad Keller. Brad Keller, I'm Brad sorry. Brad Keller, yes. Brad Keller. Uh, Zach Plesak against Brad Keller. Uh, what are we looking for in that game, and will the weather be any better by that by the time Saturday rolls around? Yeah, the weather's supposed to warm up, Joe. I think it could still – we could still see a little rain, but it's supposed to warm up. Uh, you know, I thought Plesak looked good this spring. Uh, you know, he's, he's has, he hasn't – you know, he's faced the, the – uh, the Royals a lot, you know, they know him, he knows them. So it's going to be an interesting uh, matchup. And, uh, you know, 
uh, Keller always seems to pitch pretty well against against uh, Cleveland. So it'll it'll be a uh, it's going to be a good game, and uh, it'll give the Indy uh, give the Guardians a chance to get you know to get their record back to five hundred to win one here. Uh, in Indians Guardians. Uh, that was uh, um, you know it was the first time it was official yesterday uh how did how did things feel there would anybody at the ballpark give you any any uh, a hard time anything like that no no nothing uh everything uh was was uh, ran smoothly uh you know the, it was it's a beautiful ballpark and uh everything would look good and uh you know there's like 29,000 people in the stands which was a pretty good crowd considering the weather so yeah it, it no it was every no one uh no one had any uh, disputes about the name, so uh, that that was that was a good thing. And and Joe, I think there's a possibility that uh, we could see another move sometime today. I, I'm not sure what, but uh, you know, it, I keep your antenna up. So there there could be another roster move coming. All right. Well, we will be uh, in touch uh, on that and over the weekend, and we'll talk to you again Monday here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. All right, Joe.